feelings are neither good nor bad. They're merely pleasant or unpleasant. And I think that is one of the main, most important things that people need to know about feelings because how many of us uh, were raised to think that certain feelings were bad? Hey, welcome to Built to Be You. My name is Michaela, and I am so pumped that you're here. I made this podcast so you can uncover what it means to be you and learn how you can fully step into your potential while trying to navigate your 20s, overcoming previous failures, learning to face your fears, dance with your emotions, and take messy action in order to build and become the best you. You can expect a little bit of mixed stuff love and a whole lot of real talk. But let me just say, this journey is so much more fun with the bestie. So buckle up and let's do it together. Welcome, Chelsea, to the Build For You podcast and the new podcast host of Your Almost Therapist. I was listening to your podcast right before we got started. So I'm so excited Thank for your you. journey in the podcasting world and for you to be here with us today. So let's dive in. Who is Chelsea in a nutshell? Well, thanks, Michaela, for having me on the show. I'm super, super pumped to be here today. Who is Chelsea in a nutshell? Yeah, I'm still perfecting that that speech. <laughs> I can't ever figure yeah. it out. I have way too many parts of me. <laughs> I know it changes every time. Um, but the, the parts that usually stick, um, I'm a licensed mental health therapist. I specialize in helping mostly women in their twenties, just get through the shit that is your twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also started the podcast, like you mentioned, where my mission is to just really help Gen Z women, uh, with the same exact stuff that I help my clients in session with self-doubt, self-talk, anxiety is a huge one, building up your self-worth, um, getting into healthier relationships off the top of my head. Those are the big things. And yeah, I'm here to share with you all the things that would be helpful. So I I love that. Before we dive into the juice of the episode, I have three like little lightning round icebreaker questions to ask you. No pressure. Ooh, love fun. it. No Let's pressure. Go. Okay. First one. Let's what is it. your go-to karaoke anthem? Oh my gosh. I hate to say it. It's don't stop believing. Does <laughs> uh, everyone yeah. say that? <laughs> no, I haven't had anybody say that. That is great. I love Don't Stop Believing. I am an avid runner oh, in the halfway yeah. point of every single run. You bet I'm blasting it. <laughs> so I love Oh my that. gosh, it's a classic. It's just like instant adrenaline and encouragement. Uh, <laughs> for sure. Um, okay, moving on to the next one. What is something that you've purchased recently that you are loving? Ooh, that is such a good question. So this is probably the most therapist answer I could ever give. (laughs) But I bought some lavender oil and I um, put it into like these different roller tubes so I can bring it around with me everywhere I go. It's in my car, it's in my purse. I actually just used some before hopping on here with you. And lavender oil just has this, you know, science shows it has this instant calming effect. Um, and yeah, I bought it. I'm using it all the time, probably a bit too much. I just reek of <laughs> lavender oil. <laughs> My husband's like, what is happening right now? Like, what's this new perfume? But that, yeah, I would have to say that. I, I love totally that. recommend it. A yeah. tool in your toolbox that you have with you everywhere. Okay, last one. The best piece of advice you've ever gotten. The best piece of advice I've ever gotten is life will keep teaching you the same lessons or giving you the same lessons until you learn what you need to know. Oh, I Which, love that. Yeah, it's it's kind of heavy, you know, kind of meta. You have to think about it and let it 
let it sit for a little bit. But I tell my clients that all the time. And I tell myself all that. uh, I tell myself that all the time too, when I get stuck or feel like I'm in a rut, like, okay, I just, I need to figure some stuff out. I need to grow in some areas. I have some new things to learn and this will get easier. So I love that. And I feel like that is like, that almost like a little bit deeper than the other two. And I feel like it's the perfect segue into <laughs> today's conversation. I'm just really talking about your journey through your twenties and how the woman listening, mm-hmm. you know, can navigate those highs and lows, the ebbs and flows. And like you said, the shit show of being in your twenties. The shit show. Yeah. Oh my but gosh. Yeah. I think like, let's have conversations to normalize that life is hard, right? It's like, if Absolutely. it were easy, where would we be? So Mm-hmm. take us back to Chelsea in her early 20s what was she like what was she doing what was she excited about what were her struggles and yeah let's start oh there oh my gosh yeah yeah let's dive in buckle up guys <laughs> just kidding <laughs> so yeah when I was in my 20s I had okay just a quick side note here like there's so much pressure for women especially to just like thrive in your 20s right mm-hmm. so much pressure like you've got to figure out who you are what you want to do. You know, you got to feel like you're just killing it. And for me, I'm 32 right now, by the way, looking back on my twenties, that was the, by far the hardest decade of my life. And I just want to shout that from the rooftops to let you know, and your listeners know, and anyone know that your twenties are supposed to be hard and messy. Um, it's when I feel like you learn the most and you grow the most. And for me, I, yeah, a lot of lessons learned the hard way. So myself, 10 years ago, um, college was when I really started experiencing some serious mental health struggles. And I think that's also a common time for, for other people as well, because you're, you're on your own. You feel like you're supposed to have it all figured out, completely new environment for a lot of people, or just like that post high school time in general. Right. So, yeah. So it was my sophomore year of college when I really started struggling with, um, anxiety, depression. I was drinking a lot. I was a hot mess. I had a messy relationship. Yeah, man, that was my first, my first big experience with mental health was when I was 20, probably. Yeah. And I think even just hearing those feelings of like, what am I doing? Where is the handbook? Mm -hmm. Nobody told me it was going to be this hard. And just that transition phase, you know, from your teens to your early twenties is almost, even for me, it was kind of like an an identity crisis. It's like, okay, I'm not in this small town where I went to high school. You know, I get to recreate, reinvent, decide who I'm going to be. And I have to pick Mm -hmm. what I want to do for the rest of my life, you know, like (laughs) in, in terms of a career. So When you started going through these mental health, anxiety, what was like the first red flag for you that was like, I need to get help or did you get help? Yeah, that's such a good question, Michaela. And you're right. Like, wouldn't it be nice if your 20s had like a a guidebook that you could just go to (laughs) flip to chapter six on how to deal with the shitty boyfriend, you know, (laughs) or chapter seven, like when you're failing a college class. Um, Yeah, so... Red flags for me, man, to be honest, I knew nothing about mental health when it, when it first started happening. Looking back, the red flags that I probably could have paid better attention to were my, my grades were slipping. My drinking was increasing tremendously. I was using a lot of avoidance, <laughs> drinking being one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, 
eating, overeating, you know, I got into a really nasty eating disorder at that time where, um, it was just a lot of binging and then not eating for a few days. So that was definitely fueling the anxiety, uh, skipping classes. Yeah. Just, just like all the red flags, the writing was on the wall, but at the time I didn't know, I just thought it was all normal. And not only that, but there was so much shame that Mm -hmm. I had when I was like in the trenches, I didn't even talk to my boyfriend at the time about it. And I, I told him everything I was going through, but I didn't tell him about, about the fact that I was feeling out of several classes. I didn't tell him about the eating disorder. Um, he knew about the drinking cause he was with me drinking, but I don't think he realized the anxiety I was experiencing and the fact I was missing classes from it. Um, and had I known then what I know now, I wish I would have reached out to anyone anyone, like a caring friend. Um, my parents probably wouldn't have been the greatest because they don't, you know, generational wise, like they just didn't right. know much about mental health. Um, yeah, there was, there were quite a few resources that, that I just didn't know were there and I didn't reach out and it, things really just spiraled from there, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And I appreciate that level of vulnerability and that ability for you to be able to look back and be like hindsight. Like, you know, at the time you probably didn't pinpoint the emotion as this is shame. This is why I'm not telling him. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. when you're in that dark and scary place and it feels so lonely, where do you feel like that shame stemmed from? Because I think a lot of women listening right now, you know, even, you know, looking back or applying it to real time, it's like mm-hmm. a lot of times we're afraid to own our truth or how we're really feeling out of this fear of shame, guilt, you know, yeah. whatever it might be. So let's talk a little bit about the emotion there of shame. Ooh, yeah. Let's dive right into the nitty gritty <laughs> shame. I will agree. Like shame is such a hard space to talk about. You know, I don't even know whether to describe it as an emotion or just like a place you're in. I guess it's kind of both, but shame. Yeah. And just a a quick clarifier here, because sometimes people get shame a little bit mixed up with other things, but I like to describe shame as being, you know, if, if you were to say guilt is like, I did something wrong shame would be, I am the thing that's wrong. Mm -hmm. It's just a very visceral, deep seated, you know, the shame gremlins thing that, um, it's the stuff that you don't talk about the stuff that you feel so alone in and the root of shame. And Brene Brown actually talks a lot about this. Have you heard of Brene Brown? Oh, I love Brene. She is my oh, gosh, girl. Yeah. She is great. She's my jam. Yeah. I figured, I figured you would have heard about her because she's all about, you know, vulnerability and empowerment and stuff. A lot of the stuff that you talk about, but yeah, she talks a lot about how shame just really grows in silence. You know, when you keep it to yourself, that's when it really festers and gets bigger. And I, I'm so sorry. I forgot what your initial question was. I went off on a tangent about all the things sham. But oh my remind gosh. me, what was it? No, that you were totally fine. It was not necessarily more so like a specific question, but just chatting about shame, you know, and how yeah, shame shows shame. up and, and how, you know, when we get in this place of shame, how do we, how do we navigate it? And for the woman who's listening, yeah. what, like what might that conversation or that support look like? And I think hearing that perspective of like shame is I am bad and the woman listening, you know, mm-hmm. there's been certain seasons, relationships, career pivots that she's been in. And she's like, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, so how do we navigate those feelings of shame? Yeah. How do we move through the shame? 
Right. How do we move through the shame? That is the perfect question. And that's something that um, even I struggle with at times to this day. So I would say the number one thing to help move you through that shame, because it's not something to move over. You don't want to skip over and pretend like it's not there. (laughs) We all know that doesn't work so well. But I would say the number one thing is to know that you are not alone. Like, girl, you are not alone. If you are listening to this and you are just in the midst of the shame trenches, you are not alone. And the I'm not good enough thing, ugh, icky, right? I think we all feel not good enough at, at different points in life. And it just has this sneaky way of, of taking over everything in life and, and all the decisions you make um, and just wreaking havoc. And so how to move through that, the next step after realizing that you aren't alone is to open up the conversation, start to talk about it, which is so, so hard. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd be surprised by if, if you're just to open up that conversation with a friend, right? Or reach out and start talking about it in therapy, which usually with, with clients, we don't get to the shame stuff until well into therapy. But you'd be surprised at how much your shame dissipates by normalizing it and having conversation mm-hmm. around it. And you don't even need to name it as shame. You can just, you know, name, name those core beliefs of like, I'm feeling not good enough. I'm feeling like a failure. And the number of people who will, who will say back to you, oh my gosh, me too. You know, and I think that's such a powerful thing to know that we're all in this together. And shame doesn't have to be like a secret thing that we keep behind closed doors. Right. It's something we all experience. It's something we can all talk about and just normalizing that conversation and knowing you're not alone. Um, I also, of course, I'm a little biased, but talking to a therapist is also a great safe space to unpack that shame. Right. And the hardest first step, excuse me, the hardest first step, I think for most people is just, you know, taking that first step and connecting with a therapist too. And that's a whole other thing we can get into too. If you think that would be helpful to talk about, I've got some tips on that as well. But yeah, just for tangible steps from navigating through the shame, that's where I would start for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. And, you know, whether it's through a podcasting platform like this or a community or friends or coworkers, really finding somebody that you can can trust and confide in. And like you said, sometimes it's just like, almost like that word vomit of getting it out. That's the hardest part. But then once you do, not only do like you feel lighter in yourself, but also you get that, not that you need validation, but that normalization of like, wow, other Mm -hmm. people are also feeling this way. And I think as women in our twenties, you know, it's easy to self-ass, self-isolate or (laughs) (laughs) self-sabotage. Be an ass yourself too, you know, self-isolate or self-sabotage in terms Mm -hmm. of like, you know, just going off your own little world and telling yourself like, oh, nobody else else feeling this way. Like I'm crazy. And it just like is opening that can of worms. And I think that that mm-hmm. is a tangible first step, but a hard one too. So where do you feel like totally. you first started to have those conversations? Yeah. Where I first started to like reach out for help with that shame stuff. Maybe not even just right? shame, but also just like acknowledging like, Hey, something's not right here. And I need to get Mm. to the root of what's going on. Yeah. So here's where things, here's where shit's about to get real. I'm going to (laughs) talk about what happened 
when I was 20 and didn't seek out support because I, I didn't know how to do that, which by the way, if you don't know how to do that, that's okay. Um, let's make sure to get to that today. But um, I got to a point where I was so depressed. I didn't even realize I was depressed. I just knew I felt like shit. I was just so deep in my shame and felt like something is so wrong with me that I'm feeling this way and I can't change. And I was being so, so hard on myself and the self-talk was real. I mean, I was just beating myself up every day. And I got to a point where I just, it was so hard to keep living each day. You know, I was feeling very suicidal, having all those thoughts. Um, And I finally just reached out to a friend. She was a roommate. She actually kind of reached out to me. She knew something wasn't going right. So I shouldn't say I reached out, but I was able to open up to her after she Mm -hmm. was like, yo, what's going on? This is, you know, you're not okay. We need to do something. Um, When I started talking about the, the suicidal thoughts I was having, which you know, I also think needs to be normalized too. Um, talk, talk of suicide and, and those thoughts, because it's a really scary place to be. I think there's a lot of shame that goes along with that too. And, and also a place that you don't have to be by yourself in, you know? And so my roommate, um, she brought me to the hospital and I was actually hospitalized for two weeks, which is a long ass time and really goes to show like how bad of a, a space I was in. But that was kind of the hitting rock bottom for me and me finally getting the help that I need to get. And that doesn't need to be the case for everyone, right? I'm not saying, oh, <laughs> go to the hospital. That's that's when you know you need help. That's like almost worst case scenario mm-hmm. of, um, you know, that's just how blinded I was by what was going on and how, how much shame I was feeling that I didn't want to get that help is it is I did reach the point where I needed to go to the hospital and spend two weeks there to get some serious, um, some serious support from the counselors there. I was linked up with a therapist whom I saw weekly after I was released from the hospital went such a long way. Um, they put me on medication, um, which, you know, I know people have different, different mixed views on meds and totally respect your view, whatever, whatever that is. Um, the medications they initially put me on weren't the right fit. So I had to kind of experiment with that. But once I did finally find the right fit, it was a night and day difference. And so that was my journey for me, finally getting the help that I needed and working through those mental health struggles. And man, yeah, it was crazy. It was a wild ride. Uh, Chelsea, I just want to like give you the biggest hug right now because I appreciate Aww. your vulnerability and your ability <laughs> to, you know, the fact like I'm I can only imagine how much work you've done since, you know, being admitted to the hospital to discharge to who you are now and the work that you do and how impactful and important it is. And just kind of touching on something that you said in terms of like hitting rock bottom. I think a lot of women think that that rock bottom has to be life-changing or, you know, you have to be in the trenches in order to change or do things differently or to ask for support. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that everybody's rock bottom looks different because we're all individual unique beings and we all process emotions differently. We all handle grief differently. You know, we all have our unique complexes, like complexities. So it's not going to look the same for the listener's journey as it is for yours. And 
support for you is going to look very different from me is going to look very different from her. And I think that is one thing that, you know, I love about this built to be community is that we do embrace that uniqueness in ourselves, but we see Mm -hmm. our strengths through other people's vulnerabilities and other people's stories. So hearing your story Mm -hmm. is going to help the woman who's listening really just go inward and look and say, where do I need to ask for support? You know, what is my rock bottom or what was my rock bottom? You know, how, Mm -hmm. I don't think everybody needs to hit rock bottom for things to be different, right? but just that acknowledgement and that self-awareness is huge. It is huge. It really is huge. And I love how you said, um, I love how you said that everyone is unique and different and what their rock bottom might be or or when they decide is the time for them to reach for help. For some people that might be their own personal rock bottom. For others, it's right before they hit it, you know, and right. and that is my mission with with, you know, talking with you and with my own podcast is I really want women to know that they're not alone mm-hmm. and to help provide that mental health info and that empowerment which I think, you know, another reason why I admire you and your podcast so much is it's so empowering. Um, I was listening to a few episodes of, of other women that you interviewed where it was just, it was just so encouraging, you know, to hear the vulnerabilities and stories of others and, and, and having them share that and the courage to share that and to inspire other listeners to know that like, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Mine might not look, my journey might not look the same as so-and-so's, but I can still do this. They did it. I can do it. You know, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Right. And yeah, everyone is, everyone's on their own path though. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And you know, one thing you had talked about was your self-talk. And so let's talk a little bit about health, how self-talk, you know, shapes our actions and our feelings and our beliefs. And I think it was one of your episodes where you were talking about like negative and positive self-talk and kind of like a reframe on that, Mm -hmm. or maybe it was negative and positive feelings. So let's talk about self-talk first and then let's move into feelings. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. All the thoughts and feelings. Yeah. Let's get it. So yeah. So self-talk, man, the amount of time I spend in my sessions with clients on self-talk is unreal and for good reason too, because it's just so powerful. So the way that we talk to ourselves, and I think you mentioned an episode you listened to, I think it was actually my first one where I talked about the power of self-talk. But the thing that so many people don't realize is that our brain does not know the difference between fact or fiction when we're talking to ourselves. Like it is really, really hard at pausing to discern, okay, is this thought I'm having actually rational? Mm-hmm. So if you're having the self-talk of like, I'm stupid, or I can't do it, or I'm not good enough, your brain is just going to take that and assume that it's as true as the fact that the sky is blue, <laughs> you know, and our thoughts directly affect our feelings and then how we act in the world. And so if I'm feeling like I'm stupid or if I'm, or if I'm sorry, if I'm thinking that I'm stupid, having that thought, the resulting feeling is likely going to be sad, you know, self-doubt, anxious hopeless, discouraged. And then the subsequent action is I might not apply myself. You know, I might not go for that one new position that I really want. I might not challenge myself to learn and grow, you know? So thoughts are so, so powerful. And the starting point that I think is the most helpful for most people, because so many people also aren't aware that they're having these thoughts because they're so automatic the starting point is to just realize in the first place that you're having these thoughts and to know 
that it's normal, right? The self-talk is normal and okay. And to really recognize the triggers, you know, like when, when are you having those thoughts? What's really bringing those up? Cause it's different for everyone. Everyone's self-talk is a little bit different. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. And that awareness is huge. And I, I love that you pointed out, you know, looking at your triggers, like what is it throughout your day? Is it a person? Is it a habit? Is it an action? Is it something somebody says or something you say that really allows or not allows or pushes you to go down that rabbit hole of maybe not yeah. positive self-talk? So when we catch ourselves in these negative self-talk spirals, how do we reframe to get to a place that feels better for supporting the woman that we want to become? Yeah, that is such a good question. How do we reframe? How do we catch that self-talk and reframe in a way that's going to be helpful and get us to where we want to be in life? Um, So it's a lot easier said than done. Just throwing that out there. It is. It really is. And I still struggle with this to this day because I'm human. You're human. Your listeners you know, everyone is human and it's not like you're just going to suddenly arrive to these pearly gates and be like, Oh, my negative self-talk is gone. So I always like to say that right off the bat, because I think a lot of people just like hope they're going to nix it for good forever. And, um, that's just unfortunately not how the brain works, but yeah. So starting points, recognizing when it's happening, catching yourself. And I think the most important aspect to this is having compassion and patience along the way being super kind to yourself and not um, beating yourself up for the fact that you're already beating yourself up. You know, like don't (laughs) kick yourself while you're down because, yeah, (laughs) you know, I think a lot of women, um, especially my clients and probably a lot of your listeners can resonate with this. Like they're, they're hard on themselves. They're, they want to be the best version of themselves, maybe a little bit perfectionistic. And so uh, they tend to be hard on themselves when they notice that they're being hard on themselves and they think that that's going to help. And it just, it kind of does the opposite. It makes you feel worse. Mm -hmm. So when you notice that self-talk, having that self-compassion, like say, say, well, I'll give you a bowl. Um, excuse me for me. when I was in my early twenties, I really struggled with the self-talk of, of something's wrong with me. And there were just random things that would come up that would bring that up. And I didn't actually figure that out and unpack that until I was in my mid twenties and finally saw a therapist who was a good fit for me. And so when I would notice that self-talk coming up, usually, you know, with guys, <laughs> useless guys, I was talking to where it wasn't going anywhere. I think, okay, something's obviously wrong with me. Right. Mm-hmm. And I started to begin to catch that. I would be really compassionate with myself. And then I would try to reframe it in terms of like, okay, is something wrong with you, Chelsea? Or do you just feel like this is really hard right now? You know, where's the evidence to say that something's wrong with you? Putting your thoughts on trial, you know, where's the evidence? And having like a go-to counter thought in your pocket for your most frequent negative self-talks that you do so that you can immediately have something you go to to remind yourself of. And the counter thought has to be something rational and believable and helpful. You know, like, Sometimes um, I'm tempted to just tell myself, no, I'm the most amazing person in the world. You know, (laughs) there's nothing absolutely wrong with me at all whatsoever. But it's like, okay, how believable is that? Uh, (laughs) Right. I don't know. (laughs) You know, it's got to be something like, oh, yeah, I have some flaws and I'm still working and learning and growing, Mm -hmm. you know, and I have this as a strength and this is a strength. And 
Right. realistic. Yeah. Yeah. I think that connector phase and is so powerful. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm a work in progress and I'm really proud of what I did today or how I showed up today. And I really like um, the thing that you said about putting your thoughts on trial and really looking for evidence. Like, okay, I'm sitting here saying that I'm the world's laziest human being. What evidence do I have to back that up? None, because today, mm-hmm. you know, I got out of bed, I took a shower, I cleaned my room, you know, just really mm-hmm. looking for those small bits of belief to just, like you said, counteract that negative thought and really like reorienting yourself to reality. I think sometimes we get in this like external world or like this universe where like we're just floating through space with no actual way to ground ourselves to like what's yes. actually happening in the present moment. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's a huge thing too. Um, yeah, just centering yourself, finding that mindfulness and, and being aware of where you're at and what, what's going through your mind. Yeah. All important. Yeah. And that awareness, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the awareness around feelings and emotions and maybe what is the difference Mm -hmm. between the two and also how do they coexist? Yeah. Feelings and emotions. You know, I'll be honest with you. I view them kind of as interchangeable. Mm-hmm. How about you? Yeah, same. That's why I wanted to yeah. chat about it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I was like, uh, I'm not trying to put you on maybe... the spot here and like test your. <laughs> okay. I was like, like, is this a trick question? Shoot. <laughs> I, like I, I need to do more research on emotions. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Feelings and emotions. Um, what was your question? <laughs> Let's just talk about (laughs) let's talk a little bit about feelings and maybe how to identify certain feelings. You know, do we name feelings? Do we not name feelings? Mm -hmm. And what does that process look like when navigating feelings slash and or emotions? (laughs) Right. Yeah, and or emotions. Love it. Yeah. So if all the things feelings, feelings are also powerful. As I was saying earlier, they are usually a a direct result of the thoughts that we're having and feelings. um, It's funny you bring this up because I I literally just talked about this in my most recent episode, but feelings are neither good nor bad. They're Mm -hmm. merely pleasant or unpleasant. And I think that is one of the main, most important things that people need to know about feelings, because how many of us uh, were raised to think that certain feelings were bad, you know, and therefore we automatically try to disconnect from them, like sadness, anxiousness, nervousness, shame, feeling shy, you know. And so, right off the bat, reminding yourself that all feelings are welcome at the table and all feelings are okay and valid. Mm-hmm. And being curious as to why you're having that feeling versus immediately labeling it as good or bad. And instead, reframing it and labeling a feeling as pleasant or unpleasant. And of course, there's going to be the drive to run away from the unpleasant feelings. It's because they're unpleasant. They feel like shit, of course. Right. You know, who wants to sit with that? And also, though, it's important to give yourself the space to, to process those feelings. Otherwise, you know, they just all get shelved in the back of your head. And we all know how that turns out. <laughs> usually, they usually don't go anywhere. They stick back there until we have a breakdown. and. And then we have to, you know, face the music. But um, yeah, I, I I always love to remind people of that. Feelings yeah. are not good nor bad. 
Yeah, I love that. It's not not labeling your feelings because I think when we do, you know, have this tendency to label them as good as good and bad. And I think in your last episode, you talked a lot about um, like generational and just the way that you were yes. raised. And it's like if a parent told you, like, we don't talk about that feeling at the table because it's bad. And then so inherently, you Mm -hmm. know, you just carry this belief with you throughout all your life. And then you're like 25 and you're like, wait a minute, I thought it was bad to talk (laughs) about our feelings. And then it's like, you know, you have to really challenge that belief system and challenge that thought work that you were raised with. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that curiosity lens is really important is like, you know, where did this come from? What's really at the root of what I'm feeling right now. And I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about of identifying the triggers, you know, when do you notice this feeling or emotion come up? Is it after mm-hmm. an interaction at work? Is it after you yeah. hang out with your significant other? Like whatever it might be, you know, really just taking that inventory of when those emotions and those feelings come up. And I think a lot of times women try so hard to pinpoint like, this is sadness. This is anger. And I don't know if you've read Brene's Brown, Brene Brown's book, Atlas of the Heart. I haven't read it. Oh, cover not to cover. yet. How is it? I haven't read it cover oh, to cover it. because it's kind of, I have it. It's a beautiful book, but it's a lot. Cause it's like, you know, it's like all of these other emotions instead of sadness. And I think, mm-hmm. I think you talked about it in your podcast too, like the emotion wheel of, mm-hmm. you know, here's this word sadness but here's all of these terms that fall underneath the sadness and I think that we sometimes associate sadness with being negative but it's like you can be sad and happy you know like you can be sad and right grateful (laughs) you can be sad Mm -hmm. and excited so how can we let emotions and feelings coexist oh I love that question Michaela because that is so true that you can experience more than one feeling and to also recognize that and give yourself permission to feel confused, (laughs) speaking of feelings, (laughs) feel confused about the fact that like, wait, how am I feeling sad and yet grateful and also frustrated and pissed and also excited, Mm -hmm. you know, feelings can all coexist. And that metaphor I use of let all feelings be welcome at the table. You know, that's a great metaphor to use in life is imagine yourself, you're at the head of the table and feelings are going to come and go. They're going to pull out a chair, hang out for a bit. And there's going to be more, more than one feeling there usually. And yeah, the emotion wheel that I did mention in my podcast episode, you can find that anywhere. If you just Google, um, emotion wheel or feelings wheel, and it looks overwhelming at first because it has a shit ton of feelings listed (laughs) out. And whenever I show my clients, they first see it, they just immediately are like, Nope, (laughs) not all about that. So I slowly start introducing it to them. And we start Mm -hmm. with, you know, the feelings that are kind of at the center, which are the feelings that that most people are really familiar with, like sad, mad, happy, excited, mm-hmm. um, angry. Well, I guess that's kind of the same as mad, but you know what I mean? But you can get more specific than that. And the more specific you're able to be with naming your feelings, the more you're able to tame it. So what you can name, you can tame. And if you can get really specific and check out that emotion wheel, check in with your body, notice you know what your body's letting, letting you know you're feeling mm-hmm. and approach that with, compassion and curiosity, that's going to go a long ways, but it takes practice. It's, 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 it's almost like learning a new language. Truly it is, yeah. especially if it's not something you're used to or familiar with. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I love, I love that. What you name, you can tame. And I also think about what if you can't name it? Like, what if you're just having this feeling of like, 
I don't know what's going on with me, but like I got snot coming out my nose and mascara running down my face. And like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I just think like, it goes back to the shit show of your 20s. It's like, there yeah. is, it's such a roller coaster of highs and lows. It is. Yeah, it totally is. Yeah. What if you can't name it and you just know that whatever it is that's going on feels horrible, you know, or you feel overwhelmed? And that's, that's okay, okay too. too. That's totally okay too. I feel like I say that all the time to my clients of like, that's okay. You know, just let it all happen. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you are in that space where you're like, okay, Chelsea, F that I'm not looking at the emotion wheel right now. (laughs) Mascara's right all (laughs) over the place. Just, uh, create that space for yourself to do what you need to do. And sometimes that's just having a good cry for an Mm -hmm. hour. You know, don't feel like you need to name exactly what you're feeling. Just give yourself permission. Go with your gut. Like, what are you needing in that moment? Do you need to call a friend? Do you need a hot bath? Do you need to like turn off social media for a little bit? Do you need to just let yourself cry? Do you need to allow yourself to be angry, you know, and paying attention to how your body feels too, because feelings show up as a visceral sensation in the body. You know, how you feel when you're excited feels so different in your body than how you feel when you're ashamed or sad. And so just checking in with your body too, and being curious about what, what you're feeling in your body will also be a helpful compass for, for kind of getting more specific on what you might be feeling. Yeah, for sure. And just to kind of like piggyback off that, I think some women try so hard to get through it, to get to the other Mm -hmm. side, you know, to have a solution, to figure it out, you know, understand. It's like, what if you just quit creating resistance and trying to move through it and just be, sit. Oh my gosh. I love that. Right? (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm here for it. Yes. Yes. Just be with it, which almost sounds counterintuitive because we feel like we need to take Mm -hmm. action to do something to change the state we're in. But do you really, you know, is that really what you need to do? Or is it okay to not be okay? Mm -hmm. It is. It's totally okay to not be okay. And to learn how to sit with that discomfort and the gray area and all the messiness that comes along with it, that in and of itself is a skill. And one, to be honest, I'm still working on, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I I love that you brought that up. (laughs) Yeah. I love that you brought that up because it's so important. So many women, especially in their twenties, just put so much pressure on themselves to, to get to where they think they're supposed to be. But like where you are now is exactly where you're supposed to be. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like you said at the beginning of the episode, like looking back on your twenties, you know, so many people think it's going to be like this like, hell yeah, like this decade is going to be the best decade ever. And, you know, for some women that might ring true. And for some women, they're like, wow, actually I hate it. Like, I actually know a lot of women in their Mm -hmm. thirties who were like, I hated my twenties. Like I hated that discomfort, (laughs) but, but I think that there's so much growth in that discomfort. And, you know, think about the woman that you are now at age 32, like, would you be Mm -hmm. who you are doing the work that you do if it wasn't for Mm -hmm you know, Chelsea in her twenties who went to the hospital, who asked for help, you know, who went through that shame storm, who learned, you know, what her strengths were. And so we think right in certain seasons, things don't make sense, but I can't remember who it is. Mm -hmm. It's like that quote that like, you're better able to connect the dots looking backwards. Steve Jobs. Oh my gosh. I was about to bring that quote up. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Yes. Soul sisters. <laughs> Sorry, Steve Jobs. I, I forgot your name. <laughs> yeah, he's not that. 
important. So if you're listening to Village Via, my bad. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that is, um, that is so true. Like looking back on my twenties, as I said, in the beginning of the podcast, the hands down hardest decade of my life, it likely will be unless I face some shit in the future, which I probably will. And I would not be where I am now without it. Because I remember when I was in the hospital, it was probably a week in and I was sitting on my little hospital bed, you know, and the nurses come around and do checks every five minutes to make sure you're safe. I mean, this is like inpatient psychiatric hospitalization, like the most intense level you can be at. And I was just sitting there and she had come around like five or six times. I just felt so depressed and numb. And I didn't think I was going to make it, Michaela. Like I truly did not think I was going to make it. And I remember telling, like, this is such a vivid moment that sticks out to, to me that I think about a lot when I feel stuck. I remember thinking to myself, Chelsea, if you make it through this and come out on the other side, you need to help other people who are going through similar things so that they don't have to be where you're at right now. Mm-hmm. And that was the moment in my life that changed the rest of my life. Cause prior to that, I was in school to go to med school, you know, wanted to be a doctor, the whole shebang. Right. After that experience, I was like, fuck that. I'm going to be a therapist. <laughs> I'm going to help other women who are going through this to know they're not alone and to help them, you know, move through it. And that's a reminder that I have for myself almost every day. I think about that, especially on the hard days where I'm like, Oh man, it's hard to show up today. Or even with this new podcast, I'm having a lot of self-doubt. Like even if it helps just one person, so worth it. Cause it's not space alone and mm. everyone needs everyone. Yeah. You know, everyone needs everybody. Oh, Chelsea, that is so beautiful. And I think that that's such an important reminder, like your life's work, chances are it's something that once you really deeply struggled with that is now a strength of yours. And like, you can still Mm -hmm. be a work in progress and not have it all figured out and share that passion and that purpose with women all across the world. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times, especially women in their twenties, you know, and just this era and this transition of, you know, social media and podcasting and woman Mm -hmm. understanding that they have this power ignited within them, but it's just like, how do I unleash that? How do I share it? And I think hearing, you know, your story and my story and everybody else who comes on this podcast, it's like, all it takes is one decision. And even if Mm -hmm. you impact one person, like you have so much to share with the world. And it goes back to, you know, just embracing your uniqueness and realizing Mm -hmm. that even though you're quote unquote, just one person, you're a whole ass human that can make a massive impact in so many different ways. And your podcast and the work that you do is doing that already. So keep doing it. (laughs) Thank you so much. That was really awesome to hear. And same to you. I mean, you are also empowering women and kicking ass and doing all these awesome things. And I'm just so, so impressed. I was listening to one of your episodes last night, actually. And I was like, wait, is she a therapist? Because <laughs> you're just like, you just, you just got it. So you keep doing you because it's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and then that that's just the power of like investing in your own growth. And, you know, I tell my audience all the time is like, I wouldn't have a podcast if I wasn't invested in my own personal growth every single day, you know, I'm not a therapist, but I've been through a lot of shit and all humans Mm -hmm. have, you know, like we all have gone through the hard, the highs and lows, the ebbs and flows. And it's like, you just have to decide, like, are you going to let that be the thing that keeps you down? Or are you going to use that to be the thing that catapults you into the next best thing, the next best version of you? And I think just as a woman in their twenties, you know, it's such an important reminder that like, 
you have your whole life. You have Mm -hmm. so many opportunities to just change, to do things differently. And I think a lot of times it's like you get in the season, it's really hard or really dark. And it's like, but how do I get out of it? You know, how do I move through it? Mm -hmm. And it goes back to not creating that resistance, but just Mm -hmm. being embracing it. Yeah. Yeah. Embracing it, being curious and also reminding yourself like the hard seasons are temporary Mm -hmm. and you're going to come out on the other side, probably learning a crap ton about yourself too. So Mm -hmm. if you're willing, you know, it's like, you have to be open to like, Going back to the quote that you said right at the beginning, say it again. Man, life will keep giving you that one. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I've said like 10 quotes. Um, <laughs> life will keep giving you the same lessons until you learn what you need to know. Boom. Powerful. Like, yeah. And I feel like that really like literally wraps up the entire episode. Like we started with Perfect. that. We end with that. <laughs> we came full circle. <laughs> we really did. And it's like, you know, just being willing and open to look at what you're going through as a growth opportunity. And, you know, Chelsea mm-hmm. sitting in the hospital, making that decision to herself and making, you know, whether you said it out loud or not, it's like you made mm-hmm. a decision in that moment that literally changed the rest of your literally. life. Yep. Yeah, it which, did. Which is and crazy. thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> it is crazy. And thank you so much for allowing me to share my story and, Absolutely. and to be on your show. It's been a, been a pleasure and an honor. Yeah, for sure. Well, Chelsea, where can we connect with you after this episode? Yeah. So I don't have social media yet, but, um, also I applaud you for that so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm just not a big social media person, maybe down the road. Um, but my podcast is called you're almost therapist. And actually in episode two, um, I have like a two minute pep talk boost that I think is so awesome. And I actually listened to it right before hopping on this, um, on this interview with you. So I highly encourage your audience to, to go check it out, ladies. It is awesome. And it's a great way to instantly boost your self-esteem so Heck you're almost yeah. therapist we, we love a good pep talk delights a fire yeah. on your booty i will make sure to put the link to the podcast down in the show notes and thank you awesome. so much i look forward to connecting with you in a future episode sounds good thank you before you go i just wanted to let you know that i am so dang grateful that we are now on this journey through uncovering what it means to be you together if you love this episode make sure you share it with your friend or better yet share it on social media and tag me so that way i know until next time chat soon